Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I am a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and I have here with me another contributor at uh, NinerNoise.com, Chris Wilson. Chris, how you doing? And uh, have you survived the rain and the wet? Thankfully, I own a dryer, so all <laughs> my clothes are now clean and dry. Hooray! Still feeling a little bit wet inside, either from the rain or from the play on the field. <laughs> Probably. 49ers managed a single-digit victory by field goaling the Redskins to death. It wasn't the most fun game to go to, but it would have been a lot worse if they lost it. So the Niners have continued their undefeated streak to six to begin the year. And not only did I get to see it in person, but they did it at the hands of my home team. So overall, I'm doing pretty good. Very good. Excellent. Yes, uh, the uh, 49ers won a a sloppy it was a, a literal mess of a game um on sunday uh i know that probably from your perspective it looked a little bit different but i can tell you watching um from television from here in uh south carolina i guess i was in north carolina i don't know who's to keep track of these things uh it it just looked bad the field looked bad everything looked bad it was just just a bad game they kept showing the stands and there was like 12 people there um so it was one of those things uh so they won the final score as you mentioned nine nothing on three robbie gold field goals um it was uh, pretty indicative of the quality of the game uh we talked uh previously about games that they've won uh that where the final score wasn't indicative of of how much of a of a blowout that the game actually was but this one I think you know nine nothing feels right for a game like this um it it wasn't a pretty game although I did like a lot of the photos that came out with like the mud soaked players those were cool 
photos that were coming out, like that one of Mike Person, I don't know if you saw it, where he's just like covered with mud on the one whole side of his face. He kind of looks like Two-Face a little bit with just oh, yeah. mud all over him. It was a pretty cool picture. Um, but at this season, at this point in the season, as you noted, it's another win. The Niners are 6-0, and and that's a good thing. Um, and it's good to sort of dispatch of these teams that you should be beating uh even though the conditions and other things uh threaten to get in the way of that uh the defense continued to play well as they have throughout the season um even though uh we're going to say that the weather forced washington to forego throwing the ball throughout much of the game um they pitched their first shutout uh the franchise pitched their first shutout since the season opener against the rams in 2016 um there was a note on the television broadcast about the last road shutout that they pitched but i didn't grab it and i couldn't find it anywhere i want to say that it was like 2010 but against the jets but i have no real i i cannot confirm that um I did see that they did beat the Jets, actually not 2010, 2013, I think. Um, now that I now that I think about it, it was a, a Colin Kaepernick game. They won like 34 to nothing. That might have been it. I don't know. A um, couple of fun notes about the defense: they have allowed the fewest points, second fewest points in franchise history through six games, just 64 uh, points so far on the season. That's a pretty good number. Uh, they held Case Keenum to just 50 net passing yards. Um, the second game in a row where they held the QB under 60 yards passing. Um, so these are good numbers. Uh, I think we've also learned a valuable lesson about our predictions, Chris, and that's that we need to stop, that we cannot predict blowouts, because if we predict a blowout, then hopefully something like this won't happen. Uh, so we'll get more into that in a little bit. Um, any thoughts about the, the game from your perspective? We'll get into more of it in a little bit when we get up to the one up, one down, but any sort of general thoughts about it? I was definitely disappointed that the 49ers weren't able to get the ball into the end zone. They definitely had ample opportunities to do so, but but every time they got the ball in the red zone, Shanahan seemed to be content with settling for a very shaky Robbie Gold field goal attempt. He definitely didn't look very sure of himself with the wet field conditions and the rain. And uh, after missing the first field goal, I wasn't entirely confident with him you know, as well, every time he went up there for the kick. But Shanahan was. I assume he figured that just getting on the board is all it would really take for a victory, and I guess he was proven to be correct. But yeah, I was just, just, just disappointed. I mean, this game that you should be able to pound the ball in the end zone, especially with, what, four trips to the red zone, and you end up with nine points and no touchdowns. Didn't uh, didn't punch the ball in once, so I mean, that's just not really acceptable, even in the in the poor conditions. So they really should have had a more commanding lead in this ball game. It's really one where they should have been up by a substantial margin, and it never really should have been in question. Instead, they you know settled for I think you know three field goals, you know under thirty yards each. So that, that was the one disappointing thing. But with the the way the defense is playing. I can sort of understand playing it safe and making sure not to turn the ball over, which which I was, I was surprised that there weren't more turnovers in in that game, considering how what what the ball obviously was. How no quarterback would throw the ball more than like six yards in the air. So overall, no one's going to argue it was a pretty game. Like I always say, a, a win is a win. I'll take a two nothing win, and uh, I will definitely take a uh, a nine nothing win, especially over my home team, Washington Redskins. Yeah, for sure. Um, just missed covering 
the spread if uh if Kendrick Bourne had uh been able to get up from that uh that late opportunity to get in the end zone without being touched I think uh they would have covered and the game definitely would have been over at that point I think 10 nothing would have been obviously an insurmountable uh number but there we go uh so was he ever touch down on that play because they never they didn't opposite side of the field but it didn't look like he was it didn't look like it either but obviously they can't i don't think that's a challengeable thing um so they're i don't think they really dealt with it like it's one of those things like once it's whistled dead they can't they can't challenge it so i don't know it's a strange rule it certainly didn't look like he was touched and Bourne didn't seem to think that he was touched because he got up pretty quickly it wasn't like a delay like normally if a player thinks Oh, I might have gotten touched. They, they're sort of that like, okay, hold on, wait, what do I do, kind of thing. And they, they look around and then they get up and run in the end zone, like just in case, kind of thing. Um, like Richard, like when Richard Sherman at one point in the game, when there was that, uh, the pass that Case Keenum that went, that dropped in front of a receiver, and it was kind of maybe behind the line of scrimmage, but it wasn't sure. And so deepest pass of the day. Up and ran into the end zone just in case, <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, but Bourne got up pretty quickly, which suggested to me that he didn't think he got touched. But oh well. I couldn't tell definitively just from where I was on the opposite side of the field, although it looked clean. I, I couldn't tell if they you know blew, blew the play dead you know after he scored and, and then called him down, you know as they're prone to do sometimes, yeah. so that they are able to review it or not. But it seemed like a play that cause I, I believe they called a timeout or the 49ers called a timeout on the next play, which they did, yeah, which led me to believe they were gonna challenge it and then they didn't. I was like, if you're gonna call a timeout, if it's possible, why wouldn't you? just challenge it so maybe yeah. it was a case of um, them not being being able to challenge it but yeah, yeah. It, it definitely looked from my, from my perspective which was you know obviously a lot closer than <laughs> really than, far away you know, the refs on the opposite <laughs> side of the field it looked like he was sure. to me so you know yeah all right well speaking of uh 49ers receivers um before we get into our one up one down section for the game uh we do have some news that has come out of 49er land it's not breaking news because it happened you know a couple days ago at this point um but the 49ers actually made a, a trade um to bolster their receiving core um which has been uh disappointing so far this year uh they are one of the sort of weakest groups of uh of wide receivers in the NFL in terms of production so far this year. Um, and it seems like the, that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are looking at this situation and go, you know what? The Super Bowl window may have opened a little bit faster than we expected. Um, maybe we should take advantage of this a little bit. And so they traded for uh, former Broncos wide receiver, Emmanuel Sanders and a 2020 fifth round pick for uh, a 2023rd and a 2024th round pick. Uh, going to the Broncos. Um, so, with that in mind, there's been a lot that's been written about this on the on NinerNoise.com so far. Uh, but Chris, uh, what kind of thoughts do you have about um, about Sanders and the impact that he's going to have on this team, uh, given the position that they are in at this particular juncture uh, for the rest of 2019? At least for this year, I definitely think he's going to have a significant. Uh, in- impact on the, the passing game because the, the 49ers really need a a second receiving option outside of Kittle uh, that you know opposing teams will be forced to uh, game plan against and right now they, they really have have no one that, that they're sort of at a state similar to where they were last year I tweeted this out at the end of last season and it certainly made its way around the web with many people claiming it was their own 
but you know, I'm not better. That uh, the the 49ers were uh, the only team in the NFL without a 500 yard receiver, and and it was the first time that the the Niners didn't have one since 40 years ago in the the pre Bill Walsh days. And the 49ers right now are on pace for a second consecutive season without a 500 yard receiver. So, so that, that's something they knew they had to fix. And and the fact that teams are just uh, focusing on Kittle um, as the lone receiving threat is, is, you know, cutting down his numbers and then it's cutting down Garoppolo's numbers and it's really holding the offense back. So I think that Shanahan and Lynch realized that and they knew they needed to make a move. So they they did. Hearing now that, you know, they were considering two different options, one in Emmanuel Sanders and a much less explosive option in, in Mohamed Sanu, who the Patriots picked up for a, a second rounder. You know, when when I heard about that pickup, I, I wasn't entirely sure that the 49ers would, would be going for a, a, a wide receiver. So I was happy you know, with the decision that they picked up a guy who was you know, sort of like a wide receiver three and they you know, paid a second rounder for him. But I guess that they sort of realized that they have a that you know that blind spot at the at the wide receiver position for for some reason. So they decided to go with a with a sure thing, even though it's not that great of a sure thing. And for me, the best part about the Pats picking up Sanu was the fact that you know Forty Niners didn't you know were no longer able to go for him since uh, he and Shanahan had a uh, history, and I, I knew that Shanahan did like him from their days together in in uh, Atlanta but unfortunately that sort of raised the uh the market a little bit and uh forced the 49ers to pay a little bit more than I, I would have liked them to pay for a you know a player who's you know 32 years old and and let you know likely on the downswing of his uh career even though he's having a a pretty good 2019 season I believe it was a, 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 a third and a fourth that the Niners sent over to Denver, and, and right. both the, both those picks are 2020 picks, and they and they get Sanders, and then the, a, a 2020 fifth pick from from Denver. It, it could end up looking a little bit better for the 49ers in the end if uh, Sanders does walk, because they could get that compensa, com- compensatory pick, which apparently is a very difficult word for me to say today. <laughs> Although if it goes in that direction, they won't get the pick until. 2021 right so you know, a little less value there but i mean it, it's possible if he if he really blows up that they could um they could make out pretty well here and you know, you know I, I like him being, being aggressive and they, they they also know that their jobs are sort of on the line here as well i think overall it's going to be uh it, it's positive it's positive for the team it's positive for Garoppolo. it's positive for the Receivers as a whole, maybe not the receivers individually, that that are not named Emmanuel Sanders, <laughs> and and, and the, the other nice thing is he's just going to be able to to slot right in there. And please don't blame him for that pawn; it was accidental. You know, since he's, he's coming from a system very similar to the the system that the Denver Broncos uh, play, since uh, they snatched up our uh, our quarterback coach to be the new offensive coordinator. Yeah, overall, I'm I'm happy with the team's decision. I mean, it shows that the the uh, franchise believes that they are in a position to win now, not necessarily in two, three years. So, you know, overall, I think it's a, uh, an overall positive. What about you? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the thing that uh, people have been banding about is uh, because of where the 49ers are likely to finish the season, um, 
and where the Broncos are likely to finish the season, essentially what we're talking about is that it's a third round pick and then it like a like a pick swap for the fifth and fourth rounds. And because the Niners are likely to be picking at the back end of the of each round and the Broncos are likely to be pick, picking at the front end of the of the round, that it's actually not as big like that pick, pick swap is not as big of a deal as it would be because it's probably look you're not looking at that many spots in all reality. Um, and so it's a, it, it, you know, it ends up being a a good thing. And frankly, if, if, you know, Sanders has a big enough impact that this team makes a playoff run and goes to the Super Bowl or something like that, I don't think anybody's going to care one way or the other about whether or not we gave up a third or a fourth or got a fifth or anything. Um, and I think they'll, you know, whether or not they keep him around or not is sort of irrelevant if he has an impact on the season. Uh, this year so that's i think it's it's forward thinking which is a good thing um but also sort of thinking about hey we got an opportunity uh there's some there are openings in to win the division there's openings to get into the playoffs there's openings to uh maybe make a run at at this thing so i think that's really important when you have a chance in the nfl you need to uh grab grab it by the horns and and, you know shanahan definitely knows that and i'm sure he's still hurting from his uh, his Super Bowl loss as an OC. So <laughs> if anyone knows that, you know, it's definitely uh, it's definitely Shanny. So I know that I've taken a look at Emmanuel Sanders and the way he's been utilized over the course of his career, which has you know, changed a lot depending on the, the team he plays for or the, the offensive coordinator that he's playing under or the other receivers around him. Um, I, I believe you've done some of the, uh, of the same. Is there anything that you know, stands out about uh, Sanders and the way he's been used recently, and how you think that he's going to be used when the when the, when the Niners hopefully this Sunday will will be throwing him on the field with that uh, number number ten jersey that he's been wearing uh, <laughs> as a member of the NFL. So we'll see how that goes. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think nope. the ten the ten jersey is a little <laughs> bit taken right now. Um, yeah, I think uh, Could be expensive, right? <laughs> really expensive, especially because can you imagine the throngs of angry fans <laughs> who'd be like wait a Myself minute I just, included. Bu- I just bought yeah. this Garoppolo <laughs> jersey and now you're giving it now you whatever uh so yeah I think uh he the, the one thing that I, I have noticed about him is that he can basically you can put him anywhere you want uh, along the uh the wide receiver uh sort of tree uh, he can play on the outside. He can play in the slot. He can, you know, run any route you want. Um, it seems to me that one of his best skills is the thing that uh, Kyle Shanahan sort of values above all things when it comes to his receivers, and that is the ability to get open. Um, and uh, you know, if you can get open, then you are going to have a role in this offense. And frankly, that has just been something that uh, the the group that they have so far has not done consistently enough. You've seen pretty much everybody on the, on the team so far do it at times, but I think they're going to see a consistency in that, in that skill from, from Emmanuel Sanders that is going to be really helpful. And, you know, the old cliche about the veteran coming in and sort of having a good impact on people. I think uh, if nothing else, this will hopefully light a fire under uh, Dante Pettis and Debo Samuel and some of the younger guys um, to, to say, Hey, you know, let me learn what I can learn while you while you're here. You may only be here for, uh, you know, ten to thirteen games, as it were. Um, but uh, you know, take it, take advantage of the opportunity when you got it. Sanders definitely fits the uh, you know, the profile of a uh, yeah 
of a, a Shanahan, you know, draftee, or you know, at least he did back in was it uh, 2010 when when he was drafted by the uh, the Steelers because mm-hmm. he's like like you know five eleven ish, hundred and eighty ish, you know, but you know, but ran but actually ran a four four one, and then he was, you know he's extremely elite, like o- over ninetieth percentile in three cone that that um, ten and twenty yard splits, uh, vertical jump, so, so he's. In that kind of explosive, uh, as well as quick receiver, and and he's also, uh, I think somebody somebody said that you know, he he has he has that dog in him sort of sort of like Debo does, <laughs> and, and something that's been been you know a little bit lacking from some of the other uh, wide receivers on on the team. So so maybe yeah. maybe uh, maybe the, you know, the 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 duo of Sanders and Debo can uh, can can share some of their 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 their, their dog with their fellow receivers. Uh, <laughs> For the next thirteen games or so. Yeah, thirteen games exactly is exactly how many that we need him for. That, that's maybe all we need. maybe fourteen, depending on how you know the playoff seating goes. But we'll see how that goes. All right. Um, so let us go ahead and move on to our recap, our um, one up, one down for the Washington game. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot to say about it because it was just kind of of an ugly game altogether. Um, and then we'll talk about uh, next week against the uh, Carolina Panthers. Um, so I'll go ahead and get us started uh, with the one up, one down for the Washington game. Um, my up is going to be, shockingly enough, a defensive player. I know, right? Um, <laughs> and I'm going to go with Eric Armstead. Eric Armstead has been um, just uh, rocking it. Um, he it 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 he's playing probably his best football of his career. Uh, no, probably not even probably. I think this is most assuredly. Uh, his his uh, his best year of football in uh, the professional ranks. Um, he's playing on a defensive line that's the best unit on this on this football team. It might be one of the best units in football. Uh, full stop. Um, so far, Armstead for the season has played to the tune of a ninety point three overall PFF grade, which uh, that's really really good. Um, and he finished with an eighty nine point five uh, grade against. Redskins. Um, a lot of it is from his uh, run defense. Um, his pass rush has been okay, and he's and he's uh, uh, managed to get a couple of sacks on the season. But mostly, he's just been a, a an absolute terror against the run, and I think that's that's a really important part of 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 his game. Um, on Sunday, he finished with three tackles, including uh, one for a loss, and he had one sack. Um, but frankly, he's just been good at being around the ball and making plays and. Uh, uh, like I said uh, last week and have been saying for the last couple of weeks, uh, he is making a case for a big payday this offseason. Uh, I'm getting more and more concerned that that big payday is not going to be able to come from San Francisco. Um, and I wouldn't, you know, slight him at all, his opportunity to go out there and, and get his money. But um, at the same time, he is uh, he's playing really well and he played really well again on Sunday. If he stays healthy, there's very little chance that the 49ers are going to be able to re-sign him. But if he stays healthy and keeps playing like this, then he's going to get a, a huge contract, and then the 49ers will benefit from that. So I, I feel like it's a it, it, it's a win win. The uh, you know the Niners get the, the the player that they believe that they drafted, even if it's only for one you know one season. And hopefully this year it can be for the entire season. You know, worst case scenario is he leaves, and then we get a, a, a decent draft pick. And I think you know as of right now we have a a first and then a couple of fifths. So 
you know, unless our <laughs> the the the, uh, the the draft room just wants to close for the uh, for the, <laughs> the second day of the draft and the beginning of the third day of the draft, we need to acquire some additional picks or or do a little bit of trading down, so we can acquire a little more draft capital in next year's draft. So we could definitely use, and this time I'll say it slow. Uh, compensatory pick, <laughs> uh, or, or two, or two, know, yeah. This uh, th- this season. So Armstead, if you want to have the the season of your career and you want to blow it up and you want to you know, lead us deep deep in the playoffs, this is the year to do it. So I'm loving it. Yep, absolutely, very good. Um, Chris, what's your up for the Washington game? For me, this this was a difficult one because I, I had to sit through the rain and, and, and watch <laughs> this quote unquote football game with like two teams that were like were seem to be like unclear that you play football in the rain at times and just would not throw the ball down the field and like no matter what. Uh, so so my my one my one up is is the fact that they won a game that they had to win. I mean, they could not lose that game. I mean, even though it was a away game and. You know, quote unquote trap and Dan Snyder, yada yada. I mean, they had to win that game, and they won it in extremely ugly fashion. But it didn't seem to bother them as they're sliding around and slipping, sliding it. You know, and after the game's over, so it looks like they're having a good time. You know, they don't care what the scores; they they care about the Ws. So for me, it's just it's just the, the just the players in general because I think they they made up for some subpar coaching, but both. Both by, by Shanahan in the red zone as well as Salah at the beginning of the game, just really couldn't figure out that the Redskins were just going to run the ball over and over and over, and just didn't take any appropriate efforts to to stop it. So <laughs> they just ran up and down the field on us until we were lucky enough to you know to get get a call here or, or a uh, you know missed field goal there or a, or turnover turnover here to uh, just to stop a drive. Otherwise, the, the game could have been a lot different. So in the end, I'm going to give my one up to all of the players on the team who overcame the adversity they were forced to overcome thanks to the weather and the coaching staff and managed to come away with a much needed victory for the team. Yeah, agreed. Um, There were certainly moments where that game could have gone south and um, there was (laughs) the uh, general feeling in the Niner Noise uh, game chat was, oh goodness, are we actually going to lose this game? Is this happening right now? Like, there were a couple of moments where it really looked like some some bad things were about to happen, and then you know they stopped the onslaught of the running game at the beginning, and then they missed the, the Redskins missed the field goal, and then uh, the uh, the fumble force the force fumble and the the fourth down you know conversion on one of the dumbest fourth down runs that i've ever seen um (laughs) but you know hey they got the job done um that's the important thing and yeah it wasn't pretty but they got a win and that will matter more you know come playoff seeding time or uh, you know who knows how that will come into play uh later on in the year so um all right on i go to my down for the game um i didn't really want to do this uh but I think it's important uh, to name to call things as they are, um, and also to prove to people that uh, uh, our quarterback is not above above reproach and above criticism. Um, so, for the record, our quarterback is not perfect, and he is not playing perfect this year. Um, in spite of his fourteen and two record through uh, sixteen games as a starter, which, by the way, would probably be good enough to 
win the NFC uh, or take the first the first number one overall seed in the NFC for the for a year. By the way, um, he had a rough, rough, rough first half. Um, not to be fair, the whole game was rough. Uh, but to finish the first half with only ten passing yards and to double that output on the ground uh, as a quarterback who is not generally known for his running ability, uh, en route to zero points in the first half, just n- not good. Um, it was it was it was not a thing of a. Uh, of of beauty by any stretch of the imagination um his final line didn't look very good part of it obviously was because he was like you know three for 10 for 10 yards or whatever going into the into the halftime uh he finished 12 for 21 151 yards no tds uh one pick which wasn't a very good looking uh throw or just just a probably a bad read more than anything else um but he once again showed the ability to get the ball out quickly when he needed to uh he was under duress a lot there was pressure coming a, a good deal of the time but he uh he did what he needed to to do um and even more impressively he his running yards were both on were on some really good pocket mobility things which are um i think a good sign given the fact that his uh knee injury is you know a little over a year out at this point um so it's good to see him moving but uh look he didn't play great they got the win anyway because this redskins team is really bad um they are going to need more from him at some point this season i'm almost certain we keep saying that uh and he hasn't had to do it yet so far the defense and the running game and other pieces have been good enough for them not to need him to be the best version of himself, but I, I, I got to think at some point that's coming. Um, I don't know if it's coming soon, but it could be here uh, before we know it. And so we just need him to be better at some point, and this is just a rough day for him overall. Grapple has definitely played better games, but a lot of people were really um, harping on him on, on that one interception that he threw. And and yeah, I mean, he, he, he did throw it into bad coverage, into a, a bad situation. But, but you know, it, it was a fourth down. I mean, he's throwing the ball downfield. He's throwing the ball up for one of his receivers to potentially make a play. I mean, for me, for me, when he threw it, I was like, oh, that doesn't look good. But and I wasn't really bothered by it because mm-hmm. if you throw the ball into the, into the ground and then they get the ball, you know, where you threw the, you know, at the uh, at the line of scrimmage. So it's, uh, I mean, for me, it didn't really bother me as much. I, I think it looked a little bit worse because I believe it was Pettis who just, you know, won't go up to, you know, try to make a play on a you know, contested catch. I mean, except if the ball is in the end zone on the most important play of the game, then then he'll actually, you know, yeah, yeah. small yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. But, but otherwise, yeah, but, but yeah, it, but it just it, it seems like if a ball is not thrown where he thinks it's supposed to be thrown, he just makes very little effort to make a play on it. And he, he's just <laughs> he's just not that that Julio Jones type player that Shanahan uh, yeah. is is used to. Uh, is used to to uh to coaching who you know just close your eyes and throw it in this direction and just hope that he makes a play on it because with Pettis it's it's just not going to happen and I, I think the Garoppolo's probably realized that by now but um, I, you know but I, I don't really I don't really care too much about that, that interception and, and if you take away that that one interception I mean yeah his completion percentage wasn't great obviously but but you know, the ball ball was rather wet but you know, <laughs> decent yards yards per attempt and um. And you just take away the one the one interception, and you know his day wasn't wasn't half as bad as as it, as it seems, and it certainly wasn't as bad as. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, Keenum's quarterback uh, rating was a lot higher than Garoppolo's, where it's like, 
I mean, it was night and day between these two quarterbacks. That right. Garoppolo had played a much better game than, than Keenan did, and 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 not not only do we know it, but the coaches know it too, because they just wouldn't even let Keenan throw the ball across last scrimmage. So <laughs> literally not. Um, yeah, I think the the interception counts a great deal against the quarterback rating, if I'm not mistaken. So that's yeah, probably why that number looks so bad. Um, and I'm with you on that interception. It didn't look good, and I saw a breakdown of it uh, today. He didn't like do a lot of work to make sure that the safety didn't come up over the top to make that play. But as you say, Dante Pettis didn't make much of an effort. And honestly, in that particular situation, to me, that seems like we're throwing this ball deep on, what was it? Fourth and two or something like that. Fourth and relatively, I mean, if it's, if it's shorter, you go for it on fourth down and you try to, you know, quarterback sneak or, or something like that. The reason you're punt, you're, you're doing that is because essentially the idea is if you throw this over the top and they intercept it, it's basically a punt. And then they did a horrible job of, of uh, <laughs> tracking the guy down and ended up getting it past where the line of scrimmage was um, and kind of ruined that, that, that idea in the, in the first place. So, um, yeah, like I said, I, I don't, like you said, I don't think it was nearly as bad as, as Case Keenum's game by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, so I didn't, I, I think we're he's gonna be okay. I think the conditions were were not great, um, and put him in a lot of bad situations. And he's gonna have those moments. I think we just have to understand that Grapple is gonna have a moment or two every game where it's just like, whoop, that could have gone really badly, and sometimes it does. Um, so that's the nature of a of a player like him. Yeah, just looking at the progression of this series here, it was a you know first and ten they got five yards, second and five running up the middle like we all knew it was coming and then third and four incomplete pass to, to Bourne and then fourth and fourth and four from the uh, the Washington 36 you know he threw the ball down to the 14 yard line so he threw the ball down to the 14 yard line and you tackle the guy and that's a, a okay okay punt right exactly you know, if yeah if you if your wide receiver has you know an opportunity to actually also make the play but then he you know, return at 33 yards. So maybe you just need to work on that tackling. Yeah. Get out there. Wide receivers tackle better. It's like, Hey, 18th string tackle that you just picked up off the (laughs) practice squad or get out there. The street. We really need to practice our tackling this week. Yeah. That's what they should be. Nothing more important to do. You don't have any other, you know, more pressing priorities or larger things to worry about than that. So, all right, uh, Chris, you're down for the game on Sunday before we move on to next Sunday's game. I do have a big one, but well, to start off, I uh, do have one minor one. Well, actually, it, it, it ended up being a major one, but but it, but it's not as much a part of the team as as the situation. But but just the just the overall field conditions were just just sort of shocking to me because you know you know being at the game and you know like I said like and I I was wet, but I've also you know played football games in the rain, and you can still throw the ball and run the ball and like. Breaking news here, but in the NFL, teams play in the rain all the time, and they play in the snow, or it could be even worse than the rain. And you know, here in the DC area, it had rained I think, two or three days earlier a little bit, but other than that, I mean, it has been extremely dry in this area over the past couple of weeks. Mm. So there's no reason that that field should have been as wet as it was, because it really was not raining that hard. So. I'm considering maybe potential conspiracy that the Redskins ownership and management didn't do all they could to make sure that that field was in the best playing condition that it could have been. 
not that I have any evidence of, other than the fact that I kept taking pictures of the field and they kept, it, it's like, why are there puddles in the end zone? And why is, <laughs> why are, you know, why is nobody squeezing the water off like they do on every other field and every other stadium in the NFL? It's just sort of weird to me. And I'm sure, sure the NFL have, has their own safety people there that, that also deal with that. But it just, it just seemed very odd to me that even though you know it, it's a bad field, it's, I uh, guess it's like under sea level or it's, it's, you know, below ground or whatever. So I, I know that it doesn't handle rain or drain very well. It, it just watching some other stadiums and baseball stadiums and the way that they can, they can get rain twice as bad as that and they can play three hours later. But in this game, the two teams were playing like it was a monsoon. So it was, to me, it was just, just very weird that, that the Redskins didn't seem to care to, clean the field and make it playable. And then they also had this plan to lead the, to start of the game, just to run the ball and do nothing other than run the ball. I mean, to, to me, it just, it, it's just such, such a Dan Snyder move, but I'm, yeah, I'm going to have to put some more thinking into it. So, yeah. so put that on hold. This has been conspiracy corner with Chris Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not, not, not much of the conspiracy theorist, but when there's Dan, Dan Snyder's involved, yeah. That, that's when that's when that's when the the conspiracies come out in my head at least <laughs> that's fair that's fair as far as a, a down for the for the, the team i was just generally unimpressed by the, the, the coaching the 49ers won the game and you know i, I know a lot of people given you know shanahan the game ball you know for 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 being victorious over his his prior employer and then you know giving giving the i guess official game ball to the to you know to his father who was fired along with him but yeah he was just so uninventive especially when the Niners got into the red zone so I'm at the game with my brother he knows a fair amount about football talking about this it, it, to me it, it just seemed like he was in like tech mobile mold when you get down there it's like I have the run of the middle play I have a outside zone play that's not going to work because of the, the conditions I have a, a pass play which it, you know if it's short then it's going to be a play action otherwise you know it's going to be a uh, you know, a shotgun and then I have a fourth play that's going to be a trick play that's not going to work. Like I, you know, hand it off to Kittle. And he would just do it over and over and over. And he's like, you put Wilson in the game. I wonder what's going to happen. We're going to run out of the middle. Oh, look, you ran out of the middle. <laughs> and he, he seems to have this like obsession with getting Tevin Coleman into the end zone. Like he wants him to be the, this big, big goal line back. And, and he just keeps running him in the middle and it doesn't work. I mean, and I guess, you know, Wilson's a little bit better at doing that, but then when you put Wilson in the game, I think other than maybe one play, he just runs the ball right in the middle. So it's like the other team knows what's coming. And and unlike the 49ers, my, my smooth segue here, and unlike uh, unlike the 49ers, um, <laughs> when he's in the game and and the uh, opposing teams know that the run's coming, you know, they're fairly good at stopping it. So so the second, I, th- I think, larger problem was – you know, Salah for the for the second consecutive week couldn't figure out that the opposing offense was running the ball on the first drive and was going to continue to run the ball over and over and over until they ran out of plays. And and he just wouldn't put people in the box. And I think they ran like eleven times in a row, or, or maybe it was even more than that. It could have been, it was either eleven or twelve times in a row. I think that there's a penalty thrown in there, and, and they had six point two yards of carry. That's crazy. And any. NFL defense should stop any NFL offense if they know that they're running the ball up the middle 12 times in a row. But for some reason, solid, like couldn't figure it out until 
fit it a little bit more in the in the uh, in the, the second drive, but, but still, I mean, throughout the game, the, uh, the the Redskins would not. I mean, they were deathly afraid of throwing the ball. They threw as many passes behind the line of scrimmage as they did past the line of scrimmage, and that was a grand total of what. Twelve passes, I think, total in the, you know, the, the entire yep. game. Yes, twelve. Yeah, so, so six behind the line of scrimmage and six, and you know, it's it's like bring your safeties up. Like you, you, you could tell that that the Washington cornerbacks didn't care about the. I mean, they're, they're like, go ahead and try to throw a forty-yard you know, shot to the outside, outside the numbers. Like go, go for a grappolo. I mean, I mean, they were just challenging them to do it. But, but when the Redskins had the ball, Salah, and really you know, Shanahan's responsible for it as well. Just wouldn't do what he had to do just pushing everybody towards the line of scrimmage and and stopping you know old man uh adrian peterson from just running all over him it's just it, it yeah to, to me a game where, where you know, the 49ers have a much better passing game than, than the redskins do and they actually were using it and the washington redskins just were not passing the ball under any circumstances and the 49ers just like didn't really care to stop them and Somehow, by the end of the game, Washington had more yards per carry than the Niners did. Now, and of course, when you, you look at the score, and, and they didn't score any points, so it's like I'll fully admit that on its face, it's difficult argument to make that you know the DC is the man down when the defense didn't allow any points. But there's just so much room for improvement. You know, some of it was was like I said before, circumstance. You know, of, you know, fumble here, miss missed uh, field goal here, and then and just a totally inept like high school level offense that just wouldn't pass the ball. And I guess you, I guess you get a nine zero win, but yeah, I was just, just 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 disappointed with them, and especially after the exact same thing happened the week before. I was like, I figure you would have figured this out, and I feel like every time that the um, <laughs> the media starts talking about him as a uh, as a potential head coach and uh, when are we going to lose Salah then he pulls one of these <laughs> so then so I, I'm assuming that although you know I'm sure that a lot of people look at the final score and you know probably think that he's even you know a better candidate as a uh, as a head coach in the future but you know people actually watch, watching the game and just wondering like how, how is Washington just running the ball up and down the field on this team but they just will not pass the ball I mean to me it's just I don't know Anytime that I feel like I can do it better than, than the defensive coordinator can do it, then I have a problem with it because I shouldn't be able to do it better than the defensive coordinator can do it. So that, that's that's my one my one uh, my one down. But yeah, I mean, I guess we should pe- keep it in uh, perspective. My one down is the defensive coordinator in a game where we didn't allow any points. Yes, this is true. <laughs> um, I my my dad and I have a conspiracy theory of our own that Ooh. he's uh he's doing this to lull the the uh, opposing offense into a false sense of security, and then he comes out and hits him with the counter, and they're like, "Wait a minute, why can't we run anymore?" You know, because they rack up a bunch of yards in the first drive. And this time it really worked because they didn't score at all, and so yeah, that's just a theory that we have. I don't we have it's two weeks in a row, so that's all I'm saying. It, you know, if it happens again on Sunday against the Panthers. You know that might have some some uh, some viability. That's all. That's all I'm saying. All right. Speaking the only of the, pan- the Panthers, <laughs> is that they might just be able to run the ball regardless of whether he wants to stop them or not with uh, McCaffrey back there. But yeah, true, true, true. Um, so speaking of the Panthers, uh, we'll go ahead and move on to uh, the next game on the schedule. Uh, it's a home game. Forty Nine ers going to be rocking those sweet white 1994 throwback uniforms, which are awesome to look at um against kyle allen and the surging carolina panthers who started off zero and two and have since 
won four games in a row to run the record up to four and two. Um, so Chris, let's let's uh, talk about this game through this one question. What for you is the biggest matchup of this game? Well, I think that you know what I think the, the biggest matchup of this game is, <laughs> but and I, I will I will be kind to you and I will pass on him. <laughs> and instead, I I'll take uh, Kyle Allen instead of McCaffrey. Allen is you know, he was an undrafted free agent last last year, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, he was uh, victorious in, in the lone game that he uh, that he started. And then ever since he's been able to uh, step in for uh, injured, uh, you know, in- injured at first, now marginally injured or potentially marginally injured, uh, uh, Cam Newton, he- he's gone. Yeah, uh, who knows? He's gone four zero, and I, th- I believe three three of those victories were were on the road too. So I mean, the guy's playing in in hostile environments. Um, well, I guess he played in Tampa Bay. That's not too hostile. Yeah, and then Arizona's. No, the, that game was in London, actually. So even more, so even less hostile. Oh, oh, oh was it then? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so then, and I, I've actually been to a London game. But those games are not hostile at all. <laughs> it's, like, it's like everyone's <laughs> like football, yay! Like everybody touchdowns. Yeah, um, all right. Yeah, and then um, I think it was uh, Houston. I believe was the uh, was the, the the third victory he had he had away. So yes, a, a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more hostile for crowd there, but. Regardless of the country he plays in, he's four and zero this year, five and zero over the course of his uh, his career. He's definitely assisted by a very strong um, running game and a very strong pass catching running back that he can dump the ball off to when he's <laughs> in trouble. Uh, he's still taking a fair amount of sacks. I think uh, seven point five, seven point six percent of his dropbacks are sacks. So I think yeah, he has ten. Uh, on the uh, you know on the season over four uh, four games, but he is um he's throwing at like a two thirds completion percentage. I think like seven and a half yards an attempt, two hundred twenty five yards per game. So it's it's sort of like Garoppolo esque numbers, you know, minus the um, interceptions, of course. I think he's what seven seven touchdowns, zero zero interceptions. So yeah, he is uh, doing a little bit of game managing, but yeah, but but he is getting sacked as well. So he's um, I, th- I think he's due for a couple of picks and fumbling game, a lot. If, if you had if you had to ask me, <laughs> so I I, th- I think that he, you know he he is yet to uh, face a uh, defensive front that's as stellar as the Forty ers defensive front has been over the uh, first half of the season. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles the pressure that. More senior quarterbacks have not handled very well in recent weeks, so I, I, I think it would be it be nice to get to him a couple of times. Maybe a uh, costly turnover, perhaps a sack fumble by uh, by you know D Ford, one of his specialties, and then you know maybe get him into a situation where he's uh, getting the ball out a little bit quicker than he than he wants to to you know to some receivers who are you know still still you know learning how to play the game. And then you know if the Niners can uh, hold back, who I assume is going to be your uh, biggest matchup um, of the game, if, if the Niners can hold him back and and uh, you know stick one of the linebackers to, to to spy him the entire time and not not allow the dump off, I think with a strong pass rush, the team could really ruin the young quarterback's afternoon and take it from four and zero to uh, to four and one. So I, I think that 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 for me is the 
biggest slash second biggest matchup of the game. <laughs> um, this is what you get when you uh, when you put in your notes second. That's that's all I'll say. Um, yeah. So obviously my my biggest matchup is this 49ers front. Um, the you know four defensive linemen plus uh, Quan Alexander and uh, Fred Warner at the linebacker position, um, and maybe Dre Greenlaw in, the, in there a little bit and Jaquas Guitard a little bit in the in the support in this particular. St- area against uh christian mccaffrey who has been playing really well this so far this year um i'm to be honest with you as you noted i'm i'm not really all that concerned about the other parts of the panthers offense they have some some decent players um at at wide receiver you know curtis samuel uh is a is a decent player dj moore is a decent player uh greg olson is still a pretty good player but is uh you know getting up there in years and is not as uh as uh it's as good as he used to be. Um, they're just, they're just not getting a lot of production from their pass game in the traditional ways that you would think. So McCaffrey is the real problem um, in that he could legitimately take this game over on his own in a way that most players of his position are, are unable to do um, throughout much of the game. So, uh, so far he has a PFF grade of 87 for the season, which is, you know, as we noted, quite good. Um, he's a better receiver then a traditional running back, 92.1 grade as a receiver and a 76.8 grade um, as a running back, uh, which you know sort of makes sense given his skill set. Um, he's improved, I think, as a runner, but is still uh, lacking as a sort of, you know, he's not going to get between the tackles as effectively as other players might. But you know, get him out in space, and he's you know as dangerous as anybody in the league. Um, and so that's that's something to be known. Now, he is coming off a little bit of a down game um, in terms of numbers. Uh, he was not very good on the ground at all in that game against the Buccaneers in London. He carried the ball 22 times for 31 yards, which is 1.4 yards per carry. Um, and he had a long of 10. So basically he had a long of 10, and then he carried the ball for 21 times for 21 yards, which is even worse than 1.4 yards per carry. Um, he also... Caught the ball just four times for 26 yards, which is 5.6 yards per carry. But get this. This is a crazy number. His long was 25, which means that he caught the ball once for 25, and then the other three catches were for negative yards. Um, not good, uh, really, in that particular case. Uh, and I think the argument could be made that, that Jameis Winston basically won them that game by turning the ball over 10,000 times or whatever. Um he he just you know he's been all over the place and he has been trouble for pretty much everybody up until that point this is the first game that he was like actively bad um in uh and so i think it is going to be imperative for robert sala to figure out a way to make to not allow him to beat you i think you feel better if if you say we're going to put the ball in Kyle Allen's hands and say you figure it out kid um and I feel a lot more comfortable with, with, with the 49ers' ability to stop them from doing those things. Um, if they can, you know, sort of maybe not stop McCaffrey altogether, but contain him. I think that's really the important thing. Um, and then they should have a little bit more offensive uh, firepower to 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 keep the, the Panthers under control than uh, Jameis Winston was able to put up uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, because I think the did Winston throw five picks? In, yes, five in, in, picks in and, and a yeah. fumble, I believe. Uh, so six turnovers altogether. Yeah, so, so that's a 
it's a very yeah very winston-esque game and it's either uh <laughs> for sure five, five touchdowns or five picks or maybe maybe both yeah 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 because i noticed that since kyle allen's uh been in there they've, they've scored uh, i think over 31 points per game and i think they scored, what, they scored like 37 points i believe against tampa bay uh something like that 38 or yeah and I, was, I was like okay mccaffrey didn't do anything and um if Allen's not throwing the ball very far, like, how do they score so many points? So short yeah. fields, yeah. I'm, I'm like, oh, what's all? The, oh, they're playing Tampa Bay. Okay, that, that, that makes a little more sense then. So, and, and actually, you know, earlier in the season, you know, he, he he had a game that wasn't obviously quite that bad, but it was also against Tampa Bay, um, and that one was was at home in Carolina. Yeah, they collectively. That was Cam Newton's last game where they just collectively looked pretty poor. I'm sure the Niners are looking into the way that Tampa Bay you know, shut McCaffrey down twice. They they do have a half piece in the you know defensive front uh, and to, to see what they're doing differently than every other team in the league that allows them to you know run for like a 150 yards and let them catch balls out of the backfield, add another 60 to 80 yards uh, through the air and score me many many fantasy points. Except this week, not yet. Yeah. Not, not this week, please. <laughs> yeah, so, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, he, so he's I th- definitely the uh, the the man that needs to be stopped. Throwing the fact that he's returning to the Bay Area after his three years at Stanford, so that should be a uh, should be interesting, interesting, uh, interesting matchup, and um, it'll be interesting to see how Salah decides to, uh, to you know to cover him, whether it is with one of the linebackers or you know perhaps a uh, you know a, a safety or a cornerback. So yeah, it'll be. Interesting to see what he, what he decides to do there, but either way, just just you know, please please just stack the box when they're running up the middle on on the first drive. That's, that's, that's all I ask. All. Yeah, please, for sure. Please. Easy enough, I think. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the final segment, and that is the predictions uh, for this game on Sunday. Um, it is a uh, a marquee matchup late in the afternoon here on the East Coast, uh, a, a four o'clock, a one o'clock start, one thirty start time rather. Um, in Santa Clara. Um, and as I noted earlier, uh, we made the mistake of uh, predicting a blowout last week. And so I have decided and decreed that there will be no more of that, um, at least not for a while. Uh, I think legitimately, even if that wasn't the case, uh, I still think that this would be a, a relatively close game. Um, the Panthers defense is not as good as it has been in recent years, but it's still a pretty good defense. Uh, they are significantly better against the against the pass than they are against the run, which interestingly enough plays right into the hands of what the 49ers are their best at. Um, I'm not expecting this to be like a 200-yard performance like they had against the Browns, but I think they should be able to get back on, on solid footing in terms of their running game. Um, and uh, so I think this is going to be a good opportunity for the... For the uh, 49ers offense to get back on track and if they can solve the Christian McCaffrey problem I, th- I think they should be in pretty good shape um, this is also a personal thing for me because like you with the uh, Washington game um, I currently live in Pan- Panther country so I, I just I, I really need this win uh, maybe more than any of the others that have happened <laughs> up until this point um, but uh, you know aside from that I think the 49ers are currently a better team and have been you know uh, riding this this wave of uh, um of wins so far, and if you had to put uh, the sort of matchup of units against units, I'd take the 49ers defense against the Panthers offense, um, and the uh, 49ers offense, especially with their new 
addition coming in at this particular point. Um, and so I'm going to go 28-21 49ers on Sunday. Chris, what about you? Yeah, I like that. I think it's a pretty good prediction. I thought the line uh, opened up six and a half and then going down to five and a half. It's probably, probably where, where where it should be um, with, uh, I think, 70% of the, of the uh, money coming in on the Panthers. But, you know, they're 3-0 away, four-game winning streak. Niners keep on winning. You know, everyone other than me and um, Ian Williams says that they uh, will lose a game at some point. <laughs> But yeah, I don't think it's going to be this week. So I'm going to predict a 24 to 17 victory for the 49ers over the Panthers this week. So awesome. you know, not necessarily one of the you know, normal two to zero wins. <laughs> always, uh, eventually we're going to get there. Yeah, that, that, that I always want to predict, and and maybe we'll actually do it one time. I think 20, 24-17, You know, you know, a one score game. You know, hopefully they do jump out to a lead and then and really just take control of the contest force the panthers to you know, to pass the ball which would be the obviously the uh the best case scenario because you just don't want the panthers controlling the pace of this game and running the ball at will especially with one of the nfl's best running backs hopefully the niners score first and jump out to a decent lead and then maybe a you know, last minute touchdown score makes the game look a lot closer than it really was and uh, keeps the Panthers within seven points of the Niners, but but the Niners still win the game and beat the spread. Yeah, absolutely. Part of my expert analysis was after last week, I feel like I, mean, I should probably go for the under this week. <laughs> People <laughs> probably made a lot of money on that one. Um, but yeah, but I think I'll take, I'll take the Niners uh, and, and the points and the points yeah. this week. Cool. Um, so, I should... so are you going to the game by chance? No, it's no, it's in, it's in, Santa Clara, man. If it were in, if it were in do fly, here though. in Charlotte, I would be going. But yeah, that's on the other side of the country. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, again, okay. see, see, I'm I'm one of those those idiots who actually will fly to yeah, the other side of the country to watch to watch my my team. I wish or, that I I wish know, that my, my I could team, afford like, these things, but the local team along with my my fellow Niners fans. So someday, someday. Well, we're gonna have to make that happen. Someday, someday. I was I was going to also note that you you noted that the Panthers are three and zero away. Technically, the London game was a home game that they gave up. So, so that the was Panthers, not the in a Bucks technical on a, on a road home, home split. Um, even though they were away from home, it was a home game that they were playing on a neutral site. So I thought the just, last game was the home small, game. For the Bucks. Small caveat. Um, anything else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Just a just a just a small detail. Just point that out. That's actually like a thing. You know, home and away games overseas. Those games in London, they, they try to like pretend that it, it is it is a home game for the, the right. home team. I was handing out like home flag, you know, home team flags, and even though everyone's wearing like Aaron Rodgers jerseys or what, you know, like <laughs> Brian Urlacher jerseys, and I picked this like, up at the store American yesterday. Footballs, we love the footballs. Right, um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, there, there, there's a, a little bit of a uh, of a. There's probably more of a more of a, a home field advantage there than there was at Levi's Stadium over the, the first couple of years, but yeah. I think we finally got it back. So Yikes. I'm glad to uh, have witnessed that, and hopefully that continues this week. Absolutely. All right, folks. Well, uh, thanks again for listening to the Niner Noise podcast, uh, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Uh, please check us out on your favorite podcasting platform, be that uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever else you get them. Um, and if you wouldn't mind leaving us a nice review and uh, sharing the podcast with all your 49er fan friends, we would certainly appreciate that. Um, so enjoy the game on Sunday. Hoping for another win. 
Um, and until then, we will see you next week, Niner fans. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.